Welcome to this week's episode of The Modern Good. I'm your host, Busy Gold. Conscious construction starts right now. Hey y'all, I just wanted to check in with you before you listen to this episode and let you know this episode is wild. If you are used to coming here for current events content, a little bit of a political insight from a spiritual perspective, this one might be a little bit different. I want you to go into this with open minds. I want you to guard your heart and take from this what fits, throw away the rest, And for those of you that this might not be your content, it's perfectly fine to say, you know what, not this week, I'll check back with you next week. This is not our typical mental health meets current events content. If you are a Christian, some of Dan Duval's content might absolutely blow your mind. I encourage you to go in and think critically. Don't just shut down. Don't just think of what somebody else has always told you. Let this be a moment that you might be able to walk into and through cognitive dissonance. And yeah, I just hope you enjoy it. You know, I this is a very special person that has a lot of experience. So quite often we get ourselves into a situation where people that are talking about these concepts are talking about them not from specific experiences working with people but through channeled insights or ideas or books or ideas they've ripped off from books this is absolutely not that way the story you're about to hear unfold is coming from a man who has built his ministry not seeking these things out but god placing these experiences in his lap So this is a man that is not trying to do this. He is being obedient to what God's asking him to share. So I encourage you to go into this with an open mind and remember that this man has extensive experience ministering to people that struggle with dissociative identity disorder and all kinds of targeted individual programs. I encourage you to really just dive in. Take it for for what it is. Leave the rest. I hope you enjoy. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of The Modern Good. I'm here with a really special guest that is completely different than anyone else I've ever had on the podcast. So if you've been a longtime listener, you've clearly been able to see that we're on a bit of a tear with exposing corrupted systems and talking to people that are trying to break it from the inside. In that regard, my guest is no different, but Certainly, he's doing it in a very different industry and sector than any of my previous guests. So while today we might tangentially hit some sort of political or current events topics, this man is doing something completely different. His name is Daniel Duval. He is the host of a podcast, Discovering Truth with Dan Duval. He is the founder of Bride Ministries. Welcome to the show. I don't think I've ever been more excited to have a guest on. (laughs) Well, I'm excited to be here. So thank you for the invite. I think we're going to have a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm super excited. So one of the first questions that I wanted to ask you, because I've, you know, those of you that know me that are listening or watching today, you know that I tend to, I practice something that I have my whole life called intentional ignorance. 
if there's a certain topic that God tends to reveal a lot of information, I actually will not go watch or listen to other people's content so that I know what's coming through is clean and it's not actually being influenced or even accidentally stolen from other people. So I've spent a lot of time in this solitude from information and really you are one of the first people that I was able to go into and do it in a way that felt like it was very resonant or it was it was edifying rather than either conflicting or confusing. So I feel like God let me come out of this timeout period of solitude to find you and to give the audience a little bit of context. Obviously, you are working in, you know, the the Christian space, right? You operate ministry. But one of the things that I immediately saw and heard from you is that you're bringing forth information that I think we can all say it's it's not the typical information, right? I mean, I don't know how you would describe it, but it's definitely not what you would likely be hearing in your church. And yet, I think it is the most important thing for us to be talking about today. And so many Christians are afraid to talk about it because they're afraid to get canceled or they're afraid to you know be made to look weird to their peers in church. So to me, bringing you on the show and and sharing how you got here, I think is the most important starting place because what you're doing is I think unlike what anyone else is doing in the space. So how did you get to this place where you are this truth teller of information that somehow still fits in the scope of biblical context and yet completely goes beyond what most people can imagine? How'd you get there? Look, I think that if I came to you and I said, hey, I have some solutions for you. Would you like to know about them? You say, yeah, solutions. I'm a solution person. I, I like solutions. I said, I have the most cutting edge way to fix your eight track. Now, Busy, do you even know what an eight track? Because I, I had to be informed as to what that was because it's called old technology. I mean, it's outdated. It's not relevant to my situation. I, if I need anything fixed, it's my Wi-Fi connection because I'm streaming all of my... Con- I, don't, I don't listen to cassette tapes. I don't listen to CDs even. I, it, it's, I, it's fixed my streaming service. The body of Christ has had this its problem where we've been trying to sell people on uh, uh, fixes and resolutions for problem sets that are really outdated and irrelevant to what people are really being confronted by. So it's like, well, I want to help you solve your sin problem. It's like, okay, fantastic. But what about my programming problem? How about you solve the problem that I have all these personalities on the inside because I went through a project called MK Ultra that was, you know, actually in the 70s. Actually, my kids, kids are part of projects that don't even have commonplace names because it's all hidden under black government money. So, uh, why don't we start solving some of those problems because that's actually what's causing the sin cycles that I can't break or the mindset cycles or the blackouts or the sexual dysfunction or all the other problems that I'm really facing um, because of trauma that I can't can't even remember that I have. See, so we we have become a, a, a real big advocate for what, what I, I, I just use the term survivors. Um, because, because I don't like to use the term victims for people that have overcome something and survived it. It, 
it is uh, a, a little bit demeaning. And people who get stuck identifying as victims, oftentimes that that becomes their 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 landing pad, their safe space. It's like I'm a victim of everything, so I can't make progress in life. I know there are people that have been through horrendous things, but they survived. And they survived to do something positive to make an impact and a difference. And so um, we, we use that term uh, because it, it, it's, it's a bit liberating. And, and uh, we work with a lot of people who have survived all kinds of different trauma backgrounds from satanic ritual abuse to government-sponsored mind control projects to being raised and groomed and... and, and uh, illuminated within the context of various cults such as freemasonry rosicrucianism the illuminati themselves and the various bloodlines and 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 the way that we got into this work kind of dates back i mean it really starts when i was in college god opened my eyes to a global conspiracy and he used a, a video called loose change um 9-11 and it was about how the destruction of the twin towers was an inside job and i that shattered my worldview at the time i thought george bush was a good guy i you know my whole worldview began to shatter i found out about the jesuits you know that that's and 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 the cabal running through certain jewish lines that 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 really aren't native jews such as the rothschilds right they that and that's a whole other story and 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 um, we have you talked know, I, a bit about that on the show that those would be the predominantly the Kazarian people. I think people are at least on the show. There's a little bit of knowledge there, so carry on. A little, little bit of knowledge, right? And of course, I'm, I'm going to say this: I am not an anti-Semite at all. It's just I do acknowledge the reality of what's happened historically, and there are real bad guys, and then there are um, then there's just confusion around other subjects. So, so, so look. Um, we have become major advocates because as God was crashing and burning my old world view, uh, what I realized is that Satan has real plans for this world and they're really happening right now. And there are people that are close to those plans and understand those plans. And, and all of them have been initiated. All of them have been ritualized. All of them have had to sign contracts in their own blood. All of them... M- for, for the most part, have a lot of dissociation. And as I began to connect those dots, I realized if I was ever going to understand the plans of the enemy to be a, a, a weapon in God's hand to confront and combat that evil, then I would have to be in a position to help the people that were closest to that world, I'd, to to be a bridge to help people out of that world. And and I began to become aware of super soldiers, people that were sharing some of their testimonies of, you know, stuff that really blew my mind. The government projects, underground tunnels, um, underwater bases, and then stuff that had to deal with off-planet um, uh, events and and groups and all of that. And and so as I was going through that transformation process, I went through a lot of flip-out moments, and and I got a call from God in the process try to go to Bible school and forget all of that and just focus on what makes sense, right? Getting people saved, praying for the sick, you know, um, learning to trust God, <laughs> faith, faith, <laughs> faith living, you know, all this really good stuff. And, and then God introduced me to a friend in Bible school who said, Dan, you know, you're the one person that I can tell this to. No one else will believe. You know, like, what do you need to tell me? He's like, I was abducted by aliens, Dan. They came in my room and they pulled me through the wall. And they were little grays and they were wearing these, 
<laughs> like robes and they just carried me on. There was nothing I could do about it. Even the uh, leaders of the Bible school don't believe me. They prayed for me. Nothing happened. Like, wow. And then he started telling me about dinosaurs. So I went back to my, my, my research lab, which was my laptop and YouTube. <laughs> and I just got caught in, and, and, and at that point, God really began to blend the world. He said, Daniel, the end times that the world is heading into is characterized by the things that you are told do not exist. And you need to understand, get over it. Because my plans address the actual problems, not make-believe problems. And this is the funny thing. It's what I call the false reality overlay. You have make-believe problems, which are, oh, you know, it's, you know, just inflation and we need to uh, cut government spending because that's the big problem. Or, or you know, if you, if you have problems with food and you have all these allergens, it's just because of a genetic issue. And it's not just ignore the fact that Monsanto re-engineered all of our food and uh, corn and soy and all the stuff that we're ingesting and putting in every product and plus sugar like no no no, that's not the problem it's just it's just your dietary choices that's so so that's just you know it and we like keep minimizing the problems by obfuscating what's really going on and, and, and god's like that's a false reality overlay you know you're telling people if you hear voices in your head then you are crazy you know if you have this issue take a medication this issue take a medication that's the false reality overlay the, the fact of the matter is there are are a lot of intelligences, groups, and um, races of entities that have a huge investment and interest in what's going on in the earth right now. That's a fact. Um, there are underground bases. That's a fact. There is dark research. That's a fact. A whole lot of the new world orders being built on sciences that lean into the reality of human dissociation capacities. That's a fact. God's like, if you if you want to like really look at the problem, then you have to understand. The false reality overlay just has to be dismissed. It's a complete reversal in everything. And, and so this is what I now end up with is a situation where when I meet people and, you know, they say, okay, yeah, um, <laughs> let me tell you all the things that are fake. The international banking cartel fake. Uh, you know, uh, can, I, can, can I say this? Uh, you can say whatever you want. Go for it. Voter, v- voter fraud. Fake. Uh, <laughs> Like the Illuminati, fake. Like that. When I, I think these people are absolutely off their rocker, crazy nuts, bananas. The same people are the people that are embracing the reality of the situation, and 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 so we've had to really confront the false reality overlay. That's what I call it in the process. We're we're like told, you know, red is black and. <laughs> orange is brown and god's like no no there's actual colors this is what <laughs> you're not crazy what you're seeing is actually happening this is real and so so with that said then we enter this new horizon where it's like oh my gosh so if all of this is real and all of these people aren't lying then what are we going to do and god's like yeah you're gonna have to start watching my power set people free from artificial intelligences quantum computers you're gonna have to go after alien groups races entities and councils off planet you're gonna have to dismantle the cabala tree that's been structured into survivors through many rituals and plugged into cosmic structures you're gonna have to go after councils of fallen angels and elemental kingdom and you're gonna have to sort things out on that level and you're gonna have to deal with frequencies and time and matter and black dark matter and you're gonna like all of that is going to become part of the conversation regarding what i'm doing because the agenda is this is what i really believe i believe that jesus is coming to correct everything that's been brought out of alignment he's coming to fix the problem the actual problem and he has this radical weird idea it's like yeah and i'm going to 
use my children to do it. And so now we end up caught up in this massive cosmic agenda. And, and I, I could spell this out with scriptures and all that stuff, but we're just opening the conversation. So, so we decided we're just going to go there. We're going to follow Jesus and we're going to help people in the process. And that's what we do. We have helped thousands of survivors of all kinds of stuff all over the world. And we continue to expand the army. I train people um we 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 put out free resources we we have a first of its kind deliverance portal on our website thousands of people get set free just by sitting behind their computer and pushing play so i pray for them on a video and they i mean we've we've just been going for it and the fruit is i i think self-evident so there you go amazing so so many questions and i had a bit of a breadcrumb trail that I wanted to follow today and you kind of perfectly teed up a lot of them. So one of the things that I think is the the good starting place and for the people that are listening, a lot of our listeners have been part of my other teachings so they kind of generally know where I sit on this, but I'm really curious about how you reconcile these things. I'm totally with you. Like there's nothing that you said that I'm in disagreement over, like same, same. How do you fit all of that into biblical context right like i feel like you've just described this you know limitless purview of information and then a lot of people the way they look at the container of the bible it's like it trying to fit all of that into this little box how how does dan duval do that oh fascinating really good so so let's just start here the cosmic view of the purpose of god through man Um, In Genesis chapter one, there's a statement in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And this was um, a a real big key that the Lord gave me it, because when you read that in the Hebrew, it says, Bereshit bara Elohim Shemaim Eretz. That's the, that's the Hebrew of that statement. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And 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 in the Hebrew, you have this concept around what, what they call the Aleph Tav or the Et. It's, it's not translated but it sits there in the original Hebrew. And um, when you read that into the first phrase of the Bible, it says, Bereshit bara Elohim Elef Tav et Shemaim Elef Tav Eretz. And this is, this is really powerful because when you read in John chapter one, we learn that in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. All things were created by him and through him. Without him, nothing was made that was made, right? And in him was life, and that life was the light of men. And so what we have in Genesis 1 is this idea that in the beginning, God, Elohim, through the word, through Aleph Tav, through Jesus, created the heavens, and through Jesus created the earth. So John 1 maps to Genesis 1 perfectly in that we see in the original Hebrew the word that is the Alpha and the Omega, that is the Aleph Tav, that is Jesus Christ, is present in the creation. And it's through him that everything's happening, right? So it's like, wow, this is really powerful. So that's a cool revelation. It's just word confirming the word. But then you get this really interesting thing because in the Hebrew, Aleph Tav will get prefixes and suffixes and they have huge meaning. And on that second Aleph Tav, and I remember the first time I was reading this, I was like, what the heck? Because I thought it was something different. Because it was Vav, Aleph Tav. And I was like, why did they put an extra letter on there? Is that like a different word? Or it's like, I don't, because I'm not a Hebrew scholar per se. And I was just like, no, this is the Aleph Tav with the Vav on it. And 
And that Vav, when, if you look at Hebrew, the, first of all, Hebrew is an algorithm. The Hebrew mm-hmm. language is a massive algorithm because every letter has both numerical value and definitional value. And so, so when you begin to break apart the language, you realize, unlike English, everything that happens in Hebrew is intentional. So if I make a word in English, I just put letters and vowels together and I say, this means this. Why? Arbitrarily speaking, I, I, I'm going to deduce that this means this because of the, the, the general understanding of what the prefix or suffix or whatever may have already meant in other contexts. But like, it's, it's fairly arbitrary. In, in Hebrew, it's very precise. And, and so like, if we think about Adam, what he was doing when he was naming the animals is he's looking at the creation of God. He's mapping it to the understanding of language, which has numerical and definitional characteristics and intentionally naming every animal according to the qualities it reveals based on the language of God that is available to him. He's actually working with the living letters of the creation to, uh, 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 it's almost like a quiz. He's like taking a test. He's like, what does this creature mean? And it's like, let me explain. I will apply the definition through language. And so so when we see Hebrew, it's it's just a massive algorithm, and and it really is the algorithm that holds creation together, the, the original language of God, which is why the Bible says all things are upheld by the word of His power. That's that's a whole other conversation. But coming back to the the so Genesis, if one, I can just for one second, because I think I want to make sure that I'm getting what you're trying to say. So essentially. There's a Hebrew word, right, that has multiple characters, but also each individual character will have its own definitions associated. So almost there could be a sentence within a word. Is that? 100%. Okay, great. Carry on. Just making sure I'm with you. 100%. Sentence and statement. Uh, Oh, gosh, there's so much revelation on that. Now, in Genesis 1, the second Aleph top has this vav on it. So it actually reads, in the beginning, God created through Jesus the heavens and through Jesus plus vav, the earth. And the, the, the meaning of vav as a Hebrew letter is nail. Nail, you know. Um, and, and, and so what you see in Genesis 1-1 is actually that in the beginning, God through Jesus created the heavens and through Jesus created and nailed the heavens to the earth which begins the cosmic conversation. There was already a problem. There was already a problem before God put Adam in the garden. There's already a problem. And we know that because the serpent is already in the garden waiting Mm. for Adam and Eve to deceive them. Why? Because Adam's created in the image of God. That means he is the king priest. The garden is the first temple. It's the interface point between heaven and earth. It's a multidimensional environment that is is the, 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 the outpost of heaven that is supposed to expand under the government of Adam, representing God as his image across the earth. So God says, you know, everything under the earth, you've been given dominion over it, fill the earth and subdue it. And, and, and this is the interesting thing, right? The Bible says subdue because the earth was not subdued, not mm-hmm. under God at that time. There was, there was other stuff going on. It needed to be subdued. So God said, now you and Eve, you're going to subdue it. You're going to subdue it through um, my power. You're going to be carrying my image. It, this was a really cosmic event that God would create a being in his own image. It's a big deal. And, and there's a lot of jealousy around that. And the serpent was already in the garden. There's already conflict going on as Adam and Eve arrive on the scene. Now, now what happens is Adam falls, right? But the, but the plan of God has always been that there would be a reconciliation of creation to what's called first state. It's called the reconciliation of all things. It's actually referenced in the book of Acts chapter three, 
and heaven must receive Jesus until the restoration or the reconciliation of all things. There's a there's a a mapping back to original intent for the creation that God has in mind, and in order to do it, He's going to work through man in the earth. And so, what happens is in Genesis one, you see God nail the heavens to the earth. Then God takes man from the dust of the earth. So he nails the destiny of the earth to man. And then when man falls, he has a savior. His name's Jesus. And Jesus gets nailed to the cross. And in doing so, he becomes the propitiation for our sins and the reconciliatory force that allows man to be reconciled to God. And so what that means is that the destiny of, the, of man is anchored to Christ who angers us to God so that through Jesus and his sacrifice, you author both the redemption of man and that leads to the redemption of the earth, which is the unlocking of the redemption of the heavens. In other words, the whole plan of God in Jesus is actually a cosmic restoration and redemption that finds a launch pad through man. And and, and that's why in Romans chapter eight, you see that the whole creation groans in expectation, awaiting. It's waiting for something. And what is that? The manifestation of the sons of God, which is us. Now, with that said, there's a lot of cosmic interest in what happens on earth, because the closer that we get to the full expression of all that Jesus already finished from a heavenly perspective, which is going to, you know, I I mean, we could say the second coming of Jesus Christ is the culmination of everything and the full implementation of his justice. Like there's a lot at stake and um, there's a lot at stake for all of these fallen groups that are populating the heavens. Um, There's a lot at stake for Satan. Obviously he's going to get bound up. His antichrist, the beast, the false prophet, these characters talk about in Revelation, the artificial intelligence, which comes to the table, I believe, as we begin to discuss the image of the beast, um, all of that, it, it, it's very high stakes. And so you see at this juncture in history, there is a lot of manipulation going on. You, and, and, and this actually, I think, goes even further and deeper. One of the, and I don't know how far you want to go on this podcast, because if we really want to you open can, up on the you Illuminati. Don't, you don't, yeah, you can go as far as you want. I'm, I'm good. Some of the questions but, that let, I let have, me pause we're, there. We're, we're going far anyway, so just go for let, it. Let, let me pause, because I'm just like rattling off here. So so I, I, I want to let you ask any questions you have. I mean, you I, listen, part of the reason I brought you on here is because you give me a break. I don't have to really do much. You just get to, you get to do your thing. We love it. Carry on. I just get to sit here like this and be like, tell me more, Dan. So... Okay, so I'm I'm picking up what you're putting down. There's so much there. Maybe if I kind of sprinkle in one of the next concepts that I want to hit, more because I kind of have my theories, but I want to hear your theories. So yeah, let's. I'm gonna kind of we're gonna talk about one thing and then kind of the other thing, and then how do how do these things relate to each other? Or how can they exist simultaneously? So <clears throat> one of the questions that I find myself frequently asking is about how the firmament is described in the Bible, mixed with many other indigenous cultures over time, have essentially drawn the same schematic, seen the same thing. How do we reconcile the schematic or the blueprint, so to speak, of the firmament with then this idea of kind of extraplanetary travel? How do we, how can the two things coexist without negating each other. 
Are, are you talking about flat earth specifically? So to me, I don't think it it's to me. I think the whole flat earth society thing, I think that's definitely a kind of trending more toward a psyop. I guess I'm I'm just curious, right? If we're saying the Bible is the Bible and it's not an accident, how would the Bible describe the firmament the way that it does while we also have additional information about extraplanetary travel and, you know, actually being able to physically get in a spaceship and move to a different place? How can the how do the two exist or how do the two reconcile? Is it a dimensional perspective that makes you see one one way versus the other a different way? Okay, so I think that's a really, really good question. Now, um, this is how I would answer that question. First of all, a, d- a dimensional perspective is required to understand just about anything in the creation. You can't even understand physics until you introduce higher dimensions into the conversation. Otherwise, you just park at Newtonian physics. You'll be able to solve some problems, you know, that face us in this world. You might be able to design a bridge. You know, but you're 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 gonna park out. You, you'll never understand you can't, like uh, zero point energy. You'll never understand um, gravity, right? If you ask anybody, explain to me gravity with Newtonian physics. Yeah, uh, I can't, can't mm-hmm. cannot do it. Can't explain it. Zero percent chance. So, like, you, you can't only go but so far until you introduce a multi dimensional view into the conversation and. Um, with that said, uh, the Bible spends a lot of time using language that is understood with three-dimensional reference points to explain multidimensional concepts. So you end up having to like think, oh, wow, uh, God is actually saying a whole lot more here than maybe a surface reading of what someone said this means that read it a thousand years ago was able to grasp. One of the things that I like to point out, because this is a really low hanging fruit, for we are raised up and seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, Ephesians chapter two, right? Okay. Well, you know, where are you sitting right now? You're sitting in your studio. How are you raised up and seated with Christ in heavenly places sitting in your studio? Please explain. Well, the answer is your existence doesn't stop at your physical body. Ah, answer. Wow. Well, did you know that the earth's existence does not stop at her physical manifestation that we stand on? Mm -hmm. Um, And so when we begin to describe, okay, well, what is the firmament? What is the, what are the three heavens? What, what does it mean to be above the earth, under the earth? What, like there is a lot of veiled language there and, and there's a deeper understanding. And sometimes when we go into the original language, we're able to go even deeper than that because the concepts can can come out in even like when I go take certain things back to the Hebrew language and unpack the letters around certain words, it is just phenomenal. Some of the meanings that I've pulled out. And and um, so, so with that said, I believe that when we talk about the firmament, yeah, I mean, I would say that it's like there is certainly a an atmosphere to the earth beyond the earth i i just call that the second heavens and i extend second heavens both into beginning at the astral plane into higher dimensions like that are spatial dimensions and off-planet realms and locations i mean that's literally how i i've worked it out 
and you know you have waters that are above the heavens and waters that are below the heavens and and so there is there is physical water and and you do have physical water not just on earth you have it on the moon you have it on mars like physical water exists when you consider that there is water on other bodies in the heavens you realize wow this water's above the heavens that actually has more to do with spiritual waters that really uh exist in god like the the river of living water that flows from him through us and some of these other cosmic matters so so when you begin to really understand how things work um which also gets confirmed with what it takes to get people set free from different bondages you realize there are multiple earths multiple heavens, multiple universes. Um, there, there is definitely space travel. There is interdimensional travel. I don't think that some of these ancient drawings of what they understood a firmament to mean um, requires that we become ignorant of what God is revealing at this stage in history. It, it, it's just like, you know, um, I mean, people used to do math on an abacus. That doesn't mean that that's where math stops. So I think that, you know, it's, it's, um, I, I think what God is doing at this stage in history is he's, he's really expanding the awareness and the level of revelation that his people are able to operate out of. Because the problems that are facing us require us to go there. You perfectly teed that one up too. So I think where we just landed was essentially we've got this large gap of time between the very last book of the Bible and where we are now. What I continually bump up against is and obviously I know there are a variety of different arguments for this, and I've certainly met plenty of Christians in my walk that if you even ask questions about this, they get really upset. I guess I'm curious, you're saying that now God's people are able to access new revelation that perhaps previous generations weren't able to access. Why is it, in your opinion, that the Bible stops where it does? And I guess a question on top of that, and for what it's worth for context, I was raised Jewish and I didn't find Jesus until I was 19. So I don't have the Christian programming that I had to kind of undo. Mine was kind of all fresh and multidimensional. So there's that piece of it. But I've always wondered when we're talking about the New Testament, for example, why does it stop where it does? Like, did, is there, because to me, when I read through it, it's not like there was anything ever stated that there can't ever be new information added on. And yet I feel so many Christians are very adamant if it's not in the Bible as we know it, right? Like Genesis to Revelation, then you can't talk about it. It's not open ground. You can't even ask questions. How, how does this happen in your opinion? And how do you reconcile this this gap as a Christian? Oh, wow. Okay, well, um, okay, so this is kind of where, this is a good question. So the Bible has a statement, you know, all of scripture is useful for uh, doctrine, for proof, for correction. Uh, there has to be a standard of truth that everything can be anchored to if there is going to be any semblance of order. 
uh, I mean, if if I didn't, if, if there wasn't a canonization on the Bible, then the Book of Mormon would endlessly be able to be argued as, in Christian circles, the next revelation. But it's not because there's a canon on scripture and we and, and Christians have said, no, that's a different, that book is actually going to take you into a completely different belief system and a completely different religion, Mormonism. Um, so if, if there's no standard of truth, things become very, very difficult to govern. And I think that's, that's part of the thing. So like when you had these councils in the early church, like they would get together and they try to figure out which books are canon and which are not, what they're trying to sort out is, which books are going to, I mean, the, the hope was that they were trying to figure out which books are going to most honor the message of what God is doing and not take people into heresy and into other belief systems entirely and away from the, the, the finished work of Jesus Christ. And so, so yeah, a canon was developed and I mean, I think on at least one point, I, I don't necessarily think the canon is, is, is perfect because I happen to believe that the Book of One Enoch, which is also called the Book of Watchers, um, should have been in it. And it would have helped uh, avoid a whole lot of confusion. Um, it would, it would make Christians least... have a completely different viewpoint, really. I mean, it's like, it's like taking, it's like having this jigsaw puzzle that you put all this work into and there's always just one missing piece. And we're like, well, we don't know where that piece went. And it never makes the whole picture come together. It's just hiding this one very important spot. Right, 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 right. So, so but then there is a, um, like in the, for the Ethiopian church, they, they did include that book in their canon. And um, so, yeah, this is a massive conversation around, you know, what, what, the, the canon of scripture is at the end of the day, what we do have in the 66 books of the Bible that are considered canon, um, a coherent message where you actually see the Bible in, is a self-interpreting book from revel from, from Genesis to revelation, everything fits. And so it becomes what I would say a standard of truth. And from that, it also allows us to, okay, decide what, what can expand our understanding of who God is and what he's doing and what has to be vetted out because it violates the standard of truth. So if someone comes to me from the Watchtower organization, Jehovah's Witness, or says, well, this is what you need to know next. And it's like, well, no, this violates my standard of truth. Or someone comes to me with a Quran and they say, well, no, you need to believe in Allah. And it's like, well, my Bible actually tells me about Jesus. So I, I, I'm not going to add that to my collection to define my theology because it's, it's invalidated by my standard of truth. But, but I think what's happened, unfortunately, is that people have been married to a doctrinal statement about what the Bible says, and they've invalidated actual truth for the sake of their perspective. And I think that's what God is really uh, undoing a lot of in, in our season right now. It's like, you know, God's like, no, I'm breathing on my word. You have to read the word of God with the Holy Spirit. And 
And I'm going to show you things that you need to know. It's always been there. Maybe you've been blind to it until now, but it's there. And and I think that's where we really see, oh, look at this, what God is breathing on. And there are other texts that would confirm what he's breathing on. And we are really able to kind of expand our understanding with that mindset safely. Do you think some of that happened so we're kind of saying that as people are reading this because they're so set doctrinally sometimes they almost go through cognitive entrenchment right they can't see beyond what they've been programmed to see when they're reading the bible this is kind of one of at least i my work is always in looking at systems and finding the places in the system that are inherently corrupt or broken so that we can figure out a way to get ourselves out of said system and to me this idea that we talked about this before we started. So many people only really listen to one pastor preach the word. It primes you, I believe, to see the words in the Bible through that person's voice. And sometimes we miss the ability for God to add revelation onto the word. Because to me, I can read a passage a hundred times, get something completely different every time. But if you're so programmed, this is what this means, and you're taught the interpretation, I've find that to be a flawed system. Is that something that you run into when people are coming to you like, hey, I've spent my whole life as a Christian. I want to get free. Something feels off. Do you bump into that? That are kind of priming me? filtration? I, I mean, I've been accused of every kind of thing, Busy. I, oh, I'm sure you I have. up there. I mean, for the ages, like Dan Duvall is a Luciferian. Like, I mean, I, I like literally like the epitome of, I, I mean, because... Because I'm saying this is what God is breathing on, and this is how He's getting people set free and delivered. Like, and 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 this is where the word is expected, you know. But it's very offensive. It, it is very offensive. Here's the thing: you're right. You know, we do interpret the Bible in light of what we've been taught. I mean, I, I know that you, you and you've probably been, I've been through this, right? I read a scripture and I'm like, I have no idea what this means. I have no idea what this means at all. What am I going to do? I'm going to go for some study help. I'm going to find someone's thought on it and say, maybe this will help me understand because there's Bible is full of statements that on first reading and first pass, we just, we have nothing to anchor. We don't, we don't have the historical uh, background to, to hang it. We don't have the linguistic background to hang it. We don't understand the idiom that might be sitting in front of us. We'd like to so many things that could be a barrier to that cultural understanding or just time with God, like to know who he is and what he's about. Like it's, I don't get it. So yeah, we, we start by referencing materials. And, and if, if, if we fall in love with the interpretation rather than the person who's being interpreted, that is the, 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 you know, the book of theology rather than the person of Jesus, we can get stuck in that book. You're hundred percent right. And, and then we're offended when someone comes and says, well, God's breathing on this and look what, look what this is unlocking. Look at the, and it's like, I, I absolutely reject that, that no, because that's not what I understand it to mean. And that's not what this person said 55 years ago. And it's like, well, you know, um, that's why there are denominations like most denominations, whether it's Lutheran or Episcopalian or Baptist or whatever, a, a lot of denominations exist because God breathed on a revelation in his word. And someone caught that. 
And they said, wow, this is what God is doing. There's, there's actually a grace and a glory on this message. And it was a little different than the way that people were understanding it at that time or whatever the former denomination was. And so, so what happened is a person would, would, would take that, they'll pioneer it. A, a bunch of people will follow that. They'll add that to their understanding and then they'll camp on it and say, this is where the borders and boundaries of our belief system are going to sit. And this is where we're going to be safe. We will park here. And so they park. And so God can no longer speak or breathe into that system because it's become a system. And so now he has to find somebody and say, look at what I'm breathing on. So they come out of the system and then they'll start another denomination. And so you have denominations that are parked at different uh, levels, right? Or in different places all over the world. And it's like, this is how far we go, but we won't go past this point. These are our theologies. Isn't that somehow things. missing the mind of God, though? I, that's, I, I think that, so. To me, that's one of the things that's never made sense to me. God's able to move that camping spot, so to speak, for me, day to day, week to week. Like there, there's always a new revelation. There's always an expansion because it's building blocks, right? Once God breathes life into something, it's like then your understanding of that changes, and He's like, "Great, daughter, let's go deeper. Let's go deeper." Right? And there's just it's it's limitless. So uh, to me, I feel like camping out on one revelation and staying there and in fact putting other people into fear for even asking questions about what you're camped out on, to me that's just missing the mind of God entirely. I don't I don't know how how people get there. But well, I'm just a Jew from New York. I don't know I don't know anything about anything. I just I just know that I was programmed to ask questions and not take no for an answer. So you know, that's how I got here. I'm like, but God, that doesn't make sense. You know, I'm I'm the one that's having God give me revelation. I'll sit with it and be like, hey, that doesn't make sense. Just explain it again. Give me another visual, you know? And I feel like sometimes that conversational exchange, I think some people might miss that. Like I'm I'm stubborn enough to be like, God, no, try again. I didn't get it. <laughs> Hit me with it. Hit me with something else. And I I feel like sometimes, at least in my experience, God God answers that posture when you're showing up like, no, I'm hungry. I want to get it. I'm trying to get it. Go deeper. Try something else. I'm not. I'm, I, to me, it's like I'm not going to go looking outside of you. I want it from you, you know. And I mean, of course, that doesn't mean that other people aren't able to to add on. And certainly I think there are so many people that are really, as you said, trying to bring to light what God has breathed into the word for them. But I feel like so many people almost, they separate away from that one-on-one relationship with God and they put that onto a man. And it seems like that's just so much more common in Christianity. And I don't really understand where that comes from, that desire to put everything into a pastor rather than to their own relationship with God. Have you bumped into that as well? Yeah. And, you know, one of the sad aspects of when that happens is, 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 is when there are disappointments. Because uh, one of the biggest problems that people have when it comes to Christian experience is church hurt. Church hurt, where they go into a church, they fall in love with the message, they fall in love with the leadership, but something happens. They don't get their way, they're challenged on an issue, or they're locked out of an opportunity because, you know, maybe something's being discerned that they don't agree with. Or, or they are actually targeted and treated unfairly because there are issues in the person that's leading them that have not been addressed, right? So there's unfair treatment, um, whatever happens. 
And, and if the person's there for the wrong reason, that is, I love my pastor, I love my church, this is why I'm here, and, and, and God's not the center of it all, the offense will produce a complete departure from the faith. It's like, I gave up on Christianity, or I gave up on Jesus. Well, why'd you do that? Well, because my pastor let me down. Well, that right there is, is, is the unfortunate fruit of exactly what you're describing. And, and there's a lot of that. There's a lot of people that are sitting on the sidelines. They had an encounter with Jesus. They, they may have realized like that he really is the lover of their souls, that his mercies are new every morning. They, they had some kind of uh, encounter where he healed their physical body or there was something there. there. There was an anchor point and then there was hurt. And now they're completely on the outs with God because something happened and it involved people that are imperfect. And it's like, yeah, it's unfortunate. It does happen all the time. It does. And it, at least from my perspective, it seems that a lot of pastors knowingly walk some of their church body into this relationship. They willingly put themselves in that position rather than encouraging their church body to develop one-on-one relationships with God. And to me, it almost feels like a marketing technique. And I don't know that they're doing it consciously, but I certainly think there are aspects of it that God is trying to bring correction to the forefront right now because I'm, I'm seeing so many people that come to our church come here purely because they had lost touch with, you know, what it actually meant to have a relationship with Jesus or they were experiencing some sort of trauma at the hands of church leadership Etc. And I just feel like God's trying to bring so much correction to that right now. And when people try to do anything differently, I feel like they always get demonized. And I just wonder, you know, has that happened to you? Because it certainly seems like what you're trying to do with Bread Ministries is is out of the box, right? Out of the out of the traditional biblical box. I know that you said that some people have called you all kinds of names. How have you been able to kind of walk out this new? new creation and stay true to what God is speaking to you and keep bringing that message to your people. Literally like 12 questions at the same time. I'm like, where do I start? Okay. So first of all, let me start with the basic philosophy. Um, <laughs> I'm only as correct as the alignment I've achieved with God's belief system. In other words, whenever I'm explaining something or teaching something from the word of God, uh, expounding on something as a leader or a teacher or instructor, the standard is what Jesus believes about his own word. That's, that's my philosophy, right? And the degree to which I'm able to represent that is the degree of correctness that I have, which means that there's always room for me to be wrong. And I always leave plenty of room for me to rethink anything that I've ever said or taught or whatever, because if God breathes and, and he brings me closer to his belief system on an issue, then I have absolute permission to just come back and be like, wow, that's cool. Let me now explain it that way because I understand it better. I think that humility is, is, is at the center of that. You know, it, it's like, I, I'm, I am not defined by the doctrine that I purport or push forth. I am defined by what Jesus has done and who I am in him. 
that that's that's that that's my identity. So so I have a lot of bandwidth to say, you know, I'm going to do my best to you know, raise people up with the message that I think is going to absolutely empower them to go further in Christ, to have a deeper relationship, to heal, to to be delivered. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm I, my identity is not in w- what I teach; it's in what Jesus has done for me and who He's made me. So, so I think that that that's a foundation that um, is really important. You know, one of our pieces of vision at Bride is. And it's, this is so, so counterintuitive. Well, everything that we're doing um, for like survivors and, and and to deprogram to do inner healing and deliverance, it's not actually part of our vision statement. The the the, the vision statement of Bride is to promote unity in the body of Christ worldwide and assist in the creation and development of sheep nations, which is actual transformation of whole nations for the sake of the end time purposes of God. And we could talk about that later. But the unity piece is is demonstrating what it looks like to pursue Jesus's belief system right and so if if Jesus believes that a person can in fact be abducted by gray aliens wearing robes and taken to another planet or a complete different star system such as Sirius B and experimented on and then brought back and placed five seconds after they were taken in earth space time then i can embrace that belief system because jesus knows they're not lying right and and it doesn't matter if my level of understanding of the bible doesn't quite allow me to map that event or that con like like uh, uh circumstance to my understanding it's like well what does jesus believe about it though does he believe they're lying does he believe they're fully deceived and and they just need some more medication or or, or does he believe that they're hurting for a real reason he'd like to heal like that, that that's what it opens up it, it just opens up this ability to believe people to take people at their words to not to turn people away because their experience doesn't line up with what i think the world should be like or work like you know and and so so with all of that said we're pursuing Jesus's belief system from a cosmology perspective, from a systems perspective, what's really going on in the earth? What is Satan actually capable of? What is he trying to undo? What is he really trying to set people free from? So on and so forth. So so that DNA kind of goes into the, what we're raising up at the same time. And I will, I will say this, the hardest part for me about stepping into leadership was actually... <laughs> being a leader like there, there's i because when i was around i don't know 2017 2018 there was a real shift in my own life and I, I i was a podcaster who was very church hurt i mean i was i was hurting busy i i, I had been targeted i had been rejected i had been the, the subject of jealousy i had been the i mean all, all kinds of stuff you know and i just loved jesus and i was like wow this the church is awful um I I had such a chip on my shoulder at one point. I'm like, you know, everything that I have in Jesus and whatever is in spite of the church. These people are awful. And and, and like, I mean, I just had so many broken belief systems. Some of it came out on my podcast because I'd go on these rants and I listen back on that and I like blush. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> it was really, <laughs> thank you, Jesus, <laughs> for your grace. But I realized one of my biggest fears was hurting people. And, um, so I was, I I was working overtime to abdicate any sense of actual leadership or governance that I would, I I, I was called to occupy. And, and you know what the result was, as bride began to grow, um, there was a lot of problems. And I realized, uh, over time that there was a lot more people hurting because I had fear of being a leader 
than there would be if I was just a leader that exercised my privileges as a someone sent by God to do something because everything rises and falls on leadership. And so like I had to deal with my fear of being a leader and embrace certain things that I really wanted to, because I, I was so hurting. I was just like, I want to kind of dismiss everything about leadership that is wise and proven because I don't like it because I've been on the wrong side of its misuse and, and felt that pain. And I wouldn't want to produce that for anyone else. I really just want to be like, let me just say stuff and people can listen and do whatever they want. Like, you know, lawlessness. And you can't, you can't take people anywhere with that mindset. You, you can't actually grow people in community. If you do not interface with the throne that God has established for you as a leader in the context of your sphere. So, I had to go on a major, um, a transformation on this subject. But anyway, um, there is a balance. I can see that. And I've certainly, yeah, I've, I've had to walk some of that out in my own life. And for what it's worth, I do think that 2017, 2018 time, you know, those of you that listen to this podcast know that that's about the same time that I went through a very similar sort of architecture in my life. I had like a crazy canceling attempt i don't know i'm gonna call it an attempt because it didn't work i'm still out here still doing things so are you um but there's something about that year i feel like if we i always like to look at what's happening kind of in the psyche of the collective and then also kind of what's happening spiritually and you know i saw i saw the Trump was going to get elected in 2016. I called that way early and everyone's like, no, 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 there's no way he's going to beat Hillary. And I, I remember I was on a podcast like, guys, y'all are tripping. He's definitely going to become president. And I feel like after that first year, it pushed the collective psyche into a, a just a, like a place of psychosis. Like 2017, 2018 was just such strong division because I feel like to some degree, there was at least this pulling of the veil just enough that people were kind of able to move beyond a little bit of that false reality or what did you call it? You called it like a false reality. False reality overlay. Overlay, right? So there's just, there was like enough for the, like I like you, my freshman year of college, all of a sudden, all the documentaries, all the all the information came out and I'm like, holy crap, none of this is exactly what it seems. So I had mine a bit earlier, but I feel like the collective had a little bit more of that removal happened in 2017 2018 where just enough people tipped the scales to say something's kind of up here something feels a little bit off so i feel like what happened in those particular years i i personally think that we're experiencing right now growth that was well not that it was supposed to happen but i feel like seeds were planted in those years that a lot of us that were intended by god to be highlighted or step into leadership i think those were some of our hardest growing years and that we're now kind of all the seeds that were planted then now they're just all kind of popping off in this year somebody shared with me this idea about a bamboo plant or bamboo tree do you know about the bamboo tree no so yeah, I was just kind of jokingly called the bamboo prophecy, but somebody came up to me and they're like, you know, every time I see you, God keeps highlighting a bamboo tree. There's just something about a bamboo tree. So with a bamboo tree, you plant the seeds and you have no evidence whatsoever that it will turn into a tree for years. There's not even a sprout. Nothing pops up over the dirt. But years later, it'll grow like feet in a day. So all of the tree's growth happens like three to four years after you plant the seed, but you just have to trust 
that that tree is going to grow for all those years. So I feel like it's a perfect example of how we have to walk with God, right? We, we know it's done. We know that tree exists, but we may have to go three to four years with worldly evidence that looks like we've failed or we're going to get canceled or everyone thinks we're a bad person. And then all of a sudden, boom, the tree pops and it's like we come out full grown into the whole world that looks like we've always been this way. But there's been these years of upheaval and fear. And I think to what you were saying, when you've been hurt by leadership, it almost feels hypocritical to feel that you're called into leadership. Like, how can I... (laughs) point that finger and then be like, but now it's me. Trust me. I didn't trust that guy, but you can trust me. Like I'm the good guy, right? There's a lot of fear. It brings up that hypocritical, you know, I guess conflict. So I completely understand what you're saying. And I do feel like whatever is happening in this year for you, it's definitely, I mean, not that you're not already big, but I feel like for what it's worth, I feel like your tree is just about to be absolutely full grown. I feel like this is really just the beginning for you and so many people need to hear your message and what you're bringing into the world and I would say on that topic and this is definitely a like all the questions loaded there are so many people that say deliverance why would I need deliverance like Jesus already died on the cross for my sins I don't need to be delivered by you know from anything what I guess Part one, have you heard Christians take that position? And then part two, what is your answer to those people that say, I don't, I'm, I don't need deliverance? Well, um, unfortunately, the, uh, the answer is yes. I mean, I've, I've heard plenty of people say that. They say, you know, I just don't understand. Jesus paid it all. He nailed my sicknesses and diseases to the cross. He said it is finished. You know, um, needs to join to the Lord as one spirit with him. I I just don't see where there could be any kind of demonic attachment in the Bible. So I think deliverance is completely stupid. It shouldn't even be considered ministry. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's other scriptures that will get quoted in that in in that framework. And I, I think it's just entirely unfortunate. Now, here's what happens, practically speaking. Um, there will be some people that will cooperate with that message. Here's how they'll cope. They will create a mask. It's called, it's called fake. It's the fake mask. So, so they have all these problems, all these issues and challenges, and they will uh, create a fake mask. They'll wear it to your services and, and church functions. And, um, they'll act like what you expect them to act like according to the way you've presented expectations and then they'll go home and be in all kinds of sin cycles mistreating their wife mistreating their kids uh not handling finances properly in cycles of depression and anxiety and then they'll show up and smile at church and that's how they'll live they'll just live like that because of the social construct around their performance and uh if they're really motivated they'll they'll keep going but they'll find my ministry and They'll get their deliverance while not telling you that they're doing it. And uh, we, we've seen plenty of that. You know, I, I mean, I've seen plenty of situations where people, they come to us for their deliverance and inner healing, and they just don't tell their pastors and leaders where they're getting their help. And they're getting their help, but, you know, they, they, their pastors and leaders can't understand the help they're getting. Um, and, and, you know, 
I mean, on that, there's different degrees because you, you will find people that say, okay, I accept that a Christian can have a demon, but what the heck is a synthetic spirit? And no, I don't agree that you could upload an artificial intelligence as an entity into a human brain and have it a voice in a person's head directing certain actions and operating certain functions. That, that I absolutely draw the line on. There's no way God would allow that to happen. I say, look, we're dealing with synthetic spirits all the time. They, they are built in these computers. They're uploading to people. And um, they work with the technology in the body that's also there. And if you didn't know that they're putting implants in people, and <laughs> Lord have mercy. So, so there are certain, like, even within deliverance ministry, when you get people that say, okay, I, I, I will agree with this, then you have like the degrees. It's like you can have this much problem, but you cannot have any problems past this point because we know that we don't agree with that. And I just, I'm just sick and tired of the nonsense. It's like, look, either the person's good or they have an issue. And if they have an issue, I promise you, Jesus has a solution for it. And if you don't know what that solution is, let's just keep pressing in. And that's been my whole calling card. It's like, I've faced so many problems busy. And it, I, I mean, I, I can't tell you the first time that I started seeing, you know, all right, so yeah, we're in session and your eyes turn to slits and you start manifesting like a reptile. I mean, we'll stop the manifestation, but like, yeah, you clearly have some reptilian genetics in there. Let's try to get those out. And it wasn't coming out, you know, when we uh, started dealing with the technology stuff, the synthetic genetics. And it's like, you know, how, how do you get synthetic genetics out of a person or unplug them from synthetic kingdoms? And, and, and when, when they, when they astral project the organs over entire regions and start doing rituals in the astral in like a person's like liver that's spanned out over a German city, like how, how do you de <laughs> astral project the organ that's physically sitting in the body? I mean, I, I, I've, I've, I've heard it all. I mean, that's the simple stuff. And I, you know, this is, here's, here's what we did. We just kept pressing in. I said, I don't, I don't care what your problem is. Jesus has a solution. And you know what he does? The funny thing is he does. He keeps giving us all these downloads, all this revelation. People are getting set free and delivered. And we have this like hashtag now, hashtag, we got prayers for that. that that's bride ministries. That's like our calling. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. we got prayers for that. And, um, we're having a good time with it. I mean, we're, we're, we're mopping the floor with the devil's face. And, and, and the thing is, uh, it, it's looking easier and easier over the years. Our ministry looks more and more like the ministry of Jesus, where he just shows like the, a lot of times these principalities and powers, like the big, they won't even show up to my sessions anymore. They, they, they will not be there intentionally because they just don't want to deal with, they know what's going to happen for most, most, unless they have some like undiscovered secret technology up their sleeves that we haven't been confronted with yet. I mean, because because this is the thing, this is the age busy where God, this is what the Lord has said. I will teach the powers of the heavens to respect my children. That, that That's what we're sitting in right now. And if we just keep pressing in with the mindset that no, Jesus has a solution for that. He has a solution for that. He has a solution for that. It It, it is the season where the powers of the heavens are going to be shamed, disrespected. Uh, they're going to just have everything that they stole from the people of God given back forcefully while they are punished in massive justice cases that they will have no uh, back up for it's um it's where we're at so so but here here's a basic way that i'll explain it to the simpleton i'll say look listen uh acts chapter eight friend here you have a situation where uh philip the evangelist goes out he's evangelizing all these people there's a guy that gets saved his name's simon the sorcerer uh, so simon the sorcerer gets saved and baptized by philip and then john and and Peter come up to that same region because they are laying on hands and, and filling people with the Holy Spirit. And 
And, and so as they go up, Simon the sorcerer sees them. They're laying on the hands. They're imparting this. And, and, and um, he says, I want to buy this gift from you. And Peter rebukes him. And he says, your money perish with you. You need to repent for what's in your heart. And then he says this interesting statement. He says, I perceive that you are in the gall of bitterness and the bonds of iniquity. Well, ah, there it is. How can you be saved and baptized in water? Because the Bible says in Mark 16, 16, he who is saved and is baptized will be, or he who believes and is baptized will be saved. And here we have Simon the sorcerer. He, he's done that. He's met that criteria. And Peter is literally saying, you are in the bondage of iniquity. And the answer is because he was in the bondage of iniquity after getting saved, just like most of us, like literally. We have iniquity in our genetic code that we are born with or gets added to us during our lives that is not fully resolved in earth time space upon that moment of conversion. And there will be an outworking of a, a sanctification process on many levels, just like Jesus nailed our sicknesses and diseases to the cross, but you might get cancer and you have to stand for that healing. You have to believe God for that healing and you have to cooperate with heaven strategies for healing, which will include prayer, but sometimes it includes a change in diet, maybe a certain protocol, maybe a certain naturopath, whatever it is like hyperbaric chamber. Like sometimes we need to cooperate with the process that God gives us. And yes, the healing manifests in earth time space. It's a, it's, it's a bringing of realms into alignment. I, I explain it like this. The finished work of Jesus sits in the third heaven where God occupies in his throne and government. The third heaven and earth are out of alignment. So is the will of God always done in the earth? No. Earth is out of alignment. Fundamentally, there are a lot of things that are happening in this earth, in this creation, that is not God's will. It's not God's purpose. It's not God's intent. But God is with us. He's walking us through situations and he's redeeming things and he's bringing earth into alignment. That's the whole purpose that we hold is like are we are agents of change we're here to pray to do righteous acts to bring heaven and earth into alignment that's our job and we are believing god by faith to, to impose those shifts on our world and so with that said like yeah you have a finished work you have all the healing you have all the deliverance you have all the freedom there but to bring that realm and provision of God into alignment with this earth, it requires actual prayer. It requires um, addressing things in the courts of heaven. It requires faith. It requires application. And that's where deliverance and healing and inner healing ministry, they all land on that simple level of understanding. It's like, no, it, it is finished there, but it needs to be brought into manifestation here. It needs to be actualized. By faith. And so there's there's this whole piece that I just described that is the fundamental missing component when people make these blanket statements that are very misguided. And that, that's, that's what I have to say. That's all I have to say about that. Well, that was a lot. And I think it goes perfectly with some of the things we've been talking about lately, which is essentially this idea that Christians will say, like, God's will is always done. And I think that stands in opposition to the idea that 
God can use anything and still turn it for the good of his people. Those two statements, to me, contradict each other, right? And of course, there isn't actually a contradiction. The reality is that God's will is not always done, but he'll use whatever happens to continue to turn it toward redemption or restoration. So I do think a lot of Christians miss that, and we have been talking about that quite a bit. So I love that you brought that up. I want to make sure to hit some other topics that are completely not tied to what we've just been talking about. So I think a lot of our audience, they've in different phases of their life gotten pulled into what I would consider to be more new age or false light doctrine. So you hear a lot the term starseed. Now, clearly you've had a ton of experience working with through clients that come to you for deliverance. I would imagine different types of ET races or what those people would refer to as starseeds. I'm curious because a lot of these people will say that certain factions are benevolent, some are evil. I'm curious two things, and this is I'll kind of throw these out and then you can kind of go with it wherever you want. I'm I'm curious the etiology of these peoples as it relates to kind of more of a biblical timeline, and then kind of that secondary question of in your experience, are any of them benevolent or are they all essentially operating in the dark kingdom? Oh Lord, have mercy! This is this is this is a big question. And it, um, this could have been the whole episode, but you okay, do what you want. yeah, this could be a whole episode <laughs> all by itself. Um, easily, wow. So let's start here. Uh, benevolence versus malevolence. I would use the term factions. I would use the term factions, and. There are definitely opposing factions. They're not all on the same page. They are not. And like the Draco reptilians tend to be pretty much pure manifestation of evil. There are a lot of other groups that are described by people um, that really don't have the level of malevolence, bloodthirst. They, they, they don't even seem very unkind when they describe their encounters with them. And uh, some of them claim to be working for the betterment of humanity um, and, and, and the experience that the experiences have with these groups seems to align with that claim. So uh, personally, I have not ruled out that there are benevolent groups, but I would call it factions. And... I, uh, I mean, are are there groups that are trying to help, <laughs> you know, evangelize the world for the sake of Jesus Christ? Like, I I haven't seen that either, right? Where you have alien groups saying, "No, you need to believe in the true Jesus Christ, who was born of a virgin, died for your sins." Like, let's let's help advance that cause. Like, that's still the story that I'm waiting to. More more often than not, the claims on benevolence have have to do with, you know. Um, stopping wars from happening, interrupting attacks, or or helping people not die in certain circumstances. Well, if so they're I, not if look, they're not part of our kind of earthly experience and timeline, is it possible that the message of Jesus Christ is just not relevant to them in their experience of kind of time in life? Because it seems like Jesus is specific to our earthly timeline and people and transaction and whatever we're experiencing as a collective, I would think that that message just might not even be relevant 
Right. So here's the next step though. And, and it kind of does get into that. Like, and this gets into territory that's really edgy. Do it. Do it. These ET races definitely are putting their DNA in the human minds. Um, here's the thing. So, so, all right. Starseed. Starseed. People that believe that they are incarnations, essentially, of higher consciousness groups that have taken on an Earth assignment in order to enlighten humanity. They are going to be more spiritual, more gifted, more talented, um, and, and really superior to the sheeple that need their help. Well, uh, the problem, and, I, and you know, it's funny because I just had someone on my podcast and I asked the same question. I was like, what do you think about Starseed? You know, um, the, the, I think the big problem with the Starseed concept is that it leads to a very uh, problematic superiority complex Mm -hmm. like people that believe this fundamentally will conclude well i'm just better than you and that can again that that can be problematic because it's like okay well so you're you you believe that you're better than me more spiritual than me more enlightened than me just because you are a starseed and clearly you believe i'm not so what do we do make you king um, and transactionally, and, doesn't the architecture to me mimic the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in Genesis, right? It's kind of this like, you're this, you're going to get access to all this information. And it, it does, it's like, it, this will make you better than everybody else, right? It gives you some access that other people don't have. And to me, it seems exactly that architecture. I would not disagree at all. Now, <sighs> Look, um, I, I, I also think that it's putting the focus on, and, it, and this is the deception. The deception is that humans are not special. Humanity is something that is regular, boring, bland, um, inferior, right? So anytime a person comes to a conclusion that I want to be more than human, I know that they're running a program. Mm-hmm. I know that they're running a program and that program comes from the kingdom of darkness because this is the satanic reversal. God, when he created man, put his image in man. That made him unique in all of the creation. So to be human is to be an image bearer. That is the pinnacle. That is the exception to the rest of creation, which is not that. So the satanic reversal is you don't want to be that. In fact, why don't you put more identity on a different image. You're a Pleiadian or you're a Arcturian or you're this, and then you're here to enlighten humanity to cooperate with an empowerment agenda, which is largely transhumanism. Let, let's augment mm-hmm. humanity. Let's get the humanity out of there and all of those inferior genetics that make you fat and bald and weak and feeble and bad eyesight and all whatever. And so, so we can make you better because the this comes back to a conversation on iniquity. And when we understand iniquity busy, I think everything makes a lot more sense. The Bible has a conversation on three subjects, sin, transgression, and iniquity. And without boring you with all the scriptures and details, I'll just say that they are consistently and without exception um, uh, uh, distinguished one from the other throughout the Bible. Sin means to miss the mark. It means 
a, a lapse in morality, something, it's an act. The transgression is, is, is a revolt or a rebellion. It's a commitment to a, a lifestyle based around a deviant act. So the difference between lying to someone and being a liar is the difference between sin and transgression. But iniquity is another layer. It means perversion. It means to pervert or to deviate from like a original state. And iniquity is when the commitment to a deviation from original intent or action or morality or whatever moves beyond a lifestyle and into a genetic encoding. And so when the Bible talks about iniquity, it says it is the iniquity that God will pass from the fathers to the children to the third and fourth generation. When something becomes an iniquity in a person, it becomes genetically transferable. So if you're a drug addict and your daddy was a drug addict, well, you will, when you have a child, be able to pass the drug addict gene, literally your genetics encode for that bondage, that child will try drugs once and likely become a drug addict on the spot because they're pulling on generational iniquity. It's a genetic conversation. When we understand that genetics are, are at the center of so much of everything that is bondage, even the alien element and, and what these groups are doing. They're, they're abducting people and looking for markers in the genetics and the blood, actual markers, sequences of, of, of proteins that tell them what they can and cannot do with that individual. And with that understanding, for a lot of people, they have done genetic augmentation, even prior to conception events, to make sure that the markers encoding is there so they can do what they want with these individuals once they're in the earth. So a lot of people that would consider themselves starseed, I think if I sat down and worked with them, are going to find that they have a, quite a robust history of manipulation by some of these powers. And what they're trying to do is work their agenda into the earth. And they're using the landscape of humanity to do it because humanity itself is the battle zone. If you imagine the God of the universe wants to work out a corrective process to the cosmos, not, not just this universe, but all of the universes that exist, because there are many of them, uh, through man. Well, if you can hack that that uh, domain, and I'll call it domain because it's human domain. If you can hack the domain and put a different program in the domain, then you can circumvent the process. And so you have a lot of these alien groups, they are engineering their DNA and their stuff into people and, and, and they're participating in conception events um, that are aided by drugs, aided by actual satanic rituals and aided by government projects and technologies that are at work during conception events or implantation events if if the conception event is not an actual sex act because it, all of it is on the table um all of it is being done now then you 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 begin to understand more and more like why this is a thing and, and why it keeps on taking people away from humanity or wanting humanity i mean it, it's like people are being programmed to hate their humanity it's like no i i want to have a body that's more than human well that's the deception so 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 however when we get to this level okay when someone says i am a starseed and i have this dna from this alien group I absolutely believe them because in my perspective, you do, you are carrying that in your body. The, the, the counterfeit inheritance that you're pulling on that genetic code that, 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 that has been put there, however it got there is 
also part of the reason why you're abducted and you're going through traumatic events and programming uh, uh, experiences on board craft and you're being trafficked to other areas of the uh, uh, universe that you don't belong. It's like that's not actually part of your godly scroll. That's that's a counterfeit scroll in the spirit that came from one of these entity groups. And when we surrender these inheritances, like that's what stops the abductions. That's what stops the implants. That's what stops the night terrors and the harassment and, and uh, a lot of the things that these people would rather not deal with in their experience set. So we, we, we're really putting the pieces of the puzzle together. I mean, if you don't want to embrace a Christian worldview, it, 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 it is of, of really tough terrain to try to navigate from a place of truth at all, though, because again, like I said, what these people claim, I believe. Like, I don't believe they just need to take some medication and they'll figure out they're not actually a Pleiadian. I think it's in there. And, 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 and the interesting thing, and I'll add this one piece. When we began to map the source of these Illuminati bloodlines, like the Rockefeller, the Rothschild, the DuPonts, the Sinclairs, the Windsors, like all these different groups, you know, one of the things you learn is, I mean, a lot of them seem to have a convergence point at Nimrod, sure, but... They seem to also go behind that. And, and so many times in deliverance sessions, like we're having to deal with stuff, not back to Adam, but before Adam. And, and this, this, this has been consistent, not just for me. A lot of other ministers have noticed they have to use this language. Holy Spirit will just make you do it. It's like, you know, we, we repent of this, whatever this thing is behind Adam. And, and, and I, I, for a long time, could not figure out what was behind Adam that made so, so much of a problem for us today. What I began to realize is, more recently, and we actually unveiled this at our recent Bride Tribe Advance, um, the 13 bloodlines of what's called the Illuminati are all pulling on genetics that come from races that are pre-Adamic. And the pre-Adamic world includes a lot of race. And this comes to one of the other questions that you asked at the beginning. It's like, well, what, it, what, what relevance does Jesus have to some of these groups if they're not human? Because Jesus came as a man to redeem man back to God. And the answer is, I actually believe priesthood has a lot to do with this. I think one of the things you see in the Bible is you see the re revelation of the order of Melchizedek as a heavenly priesthood first in Genesis, and then Jesus fulfilling that high priest role. I don't think that the order of Melchizedek is the only priestly order of Yahuwah God in the cosmos. And I think that, um, and this has come out in some of our sessions, there are other priesthoods or were that were given to other groups to bring them to the light of truth of who their maker was and what the expectation was. And um, there's been a lot of conflict around that. And so that is a really edgy uh, statement, but I, I, I have you had any personal interactions with Melchizedek through clients that you've worked with? Me personally, no. Like the the being called Melchizedek, I I have not had a personal interaction with him. Remind me to tell you about what happened to me offline because I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> it's actually it's probably it's one of the most traumatic things that's ever happened to me, and I've had a lot of bad things happen to me that particular name just sent chills down my spine. So I'm, I'm glad that it got brought up because it's definitely something that I have questions about. I don't know that there are questions that this audience at this moment in time can handle, so I'm going to put a pin well, in it. But you know, there's also, <laughs> you bring that up, but that also takes you to the conversation on Ascended Masters. Yes, glad right? you went Because mm -hmm. 
<laughs> now, 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 the ascended masters, um, and, and, and I'm trying to remember the name of the one specific one, but he kind of claimed to be like a, a like the Melchizedek priest, but he's like a counterfeit, mm-hmm. Hilarion. He's not the real one, and uh, but he does appear to people, and he has like his own like priestly garment that he wears, and he's pretty awful. And um, you know, I don't know because these guys are full of deception, and, and oh, anyone yeah. that has encounters with the <laughs> ascended masters, part of the Brotherhood of the White Lodge, or different, like they, oh lord, that's a whole other conversation. Well, anyway, so hypothetically. And obviously, I mean, for those of you that you might not follow what I'm about to say, but I got to get I got to get my time in with Dan while I can. So hypothetically, what Nimrod was trying to accomplish was essentially a transaction that would make him like an like a, a transaction that would create an ascended master sort of transformation. Correct. So to to essentially transform or unlock a part of his DNA that would make him not purely human if he even was purely human i have questions about that anyways but um is that essentially what you think transactionally happens with ascended masters is there some sort of process that is at least pressed into using the dark kingdom to try to accomplish the goal that is such a good question this takes you into a a a territory that is really uh oh wow um uh, so, you see, I have data points and I don't have a full map, but there yeah. are things that I know that I can't anchor to anything specific. But 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 let me just say this. Um, all right. So so you 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 pull you are pulling me off of the ledge here. Like I'm, so now you know, I, I could I could literally add these are these are my like vanilla questions. I have these are the vanilla questions. These are yeah, I've got like a ten flavor mixture of questions that we can do offline. These are my <laughs> these are my vanilla safer safer G rated audiences questions. You have no idea. Oh my goodness! Right. All right. So so if you look at other belief systems like Buddhism. The idea is that you can achieve a state of ascension as a human. Like that's the whole goal. You're supposed yeah. to keep reincarnating until you figure it out, basically become a monk of the highest order of you know, society and you, you ascend. And you, you I mean, um, and of course there are other spiritualities around that. And, and, and I mean, I, I know this people can cut deals with the kingdom of darkness that allow them to operate from beyond the grave a hundred percent. And, you know, I know the common Christian thought, well, there's a point on demand wants to die. And after that, the judgment, fantastic. Right. But let, let me just explain this piece, the judgment that is referred to in that passage as pointed unto man wants to die is the great white throne judgment. That's at the very end of the book, friends. And then there's wants to die in your God-given physical body. That, that This makes no account for alternate bodies that could be built for you with your DNA. And this gets into the cloning conversation and the secret space program conversation and stuff that I, you know, okay, so yeah, we could go there. Um, but then there's also the covenants and contracts, 
you have made a covenant with death and with how you are in agreement in, in the book of Isaiah. Like there is, there are contracts extended and opportunities that allow people to agree, or at least their soul fragments may be independently of other soul fragments. And I would have to explain more on dissociation for that to fully ground out whereby that person gets to continue operating, even though the physical body has died as long as they're in service to the kingdom of darkness. And often that, that work happens along the bloodline. So, and I can't tell you how many people I've gotten delivered of ancient ancestors. I mean, like literally 1500 years old ancestor living in the body because it traveled the bloodline for 1500 years. It's like a demonic spirit, or mm-hmm. you call it an ancestral or familiar spirit, but it is human in origin, but it's traveling down the bloodline. And then I meet them and, and, and they're retired from the bloodline. They can no longer operate. And uh, we, we void out their contracts and they're just done and they go where they belong. Something interesting thing is sometimes if they're willing, Jesus leave and take them and they'll get saved 1500 years after they died. And Ooh, okay, well, God, take that to good. your college professor. Mm-hmm. But we're, we're doing it. I mean, this is like, this is like normal stuff. Like, I do this all the time. So uh, it, it is a shocker for someone that's never heard of this, but you know, we're ministering outside of time and space. I don't even consider time and space a limiting factor on much of anything anymore because I understand the quantum nature of the creation. Now, with all of that said, what does that mean for the ascended masters? I, I don't fully know. I I, 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 I I do see, though, that there is a, a place where certain people do seem to have operation from beyond the, the death of the physical body. The white throne judgment has not happened yet. They are not in a resting place in a realm of Sheol. They did not go to the heavenly places in Christ. They're not sitting in the cloud of witnesses. They are they are doing things. They are somewhere and or their soul parts. And 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 so I do think a lot of these um the ascended masters specifically, like Hilarion and Dwal Cool and some of these other guys, I think they're more like fallen angels personally. I don't know that they they were physically born. And if they had an incarnation in a physical body, it was it was more along the lines of something you'd see from a fifth fire initiation type ritual where, you, yes, there is a physical conception of a body, but the body is not a normal conception. It's not a normal child. And it belongs to an entity that they are bringing into this world for a lifetime in a physical body. And they, they, these will come out like superhuman. These will be, uh, they, they, they can teleport, they can do all kinds of things. Um, and, 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 and they also, these kinds of babies, they don't, they don't age like, like they saw four and a half month from conception to birth, fully formed child. Um, and, and the development is overseen by the entity that occupies it. So it would be something more like that rather than a human that was, you know, sent by God, had their origin and came in like a normal way. So I, I don't know. There you go. Data points. Okay. I like Take what you will. I can, I'll take the data and I'll move it around my brain until something makes sense. So this is going to be another one of those questions. I apologize in advance. So Part of me, when we're talking about the scope of like how big this all gets, I've always felt this level of discomfort like out of all of this, right? All of these off-planet races, all of these different realms and domains of existence, why is it that Satan has 
so much value or why is he why do all roads seem to come back to satan on a lot of these things i guess my question is you know to me the the dark kingdom is not purely an earthly experience right it seems like the dark kingdom has tentacles out into all these different purviews that you're talking about is satan somehow the father of the entire dark kingdom if so well, I guess rather, if not, where does the Dark Kingdom itself actually get its origin from? Okay. Um, Satan has a central role because he has an investment in all 13 of the Illuminati bloodlines for sure. Like they all have a connection to Satan regardless of whatever else they're plugging into. He's also the holder of original trade agreements. So if you look at the actual reason why Satan falls in the book of Ezekiel 26. It says, because of the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence and you sinned. So I cast you as a profane thing out of the Mount of God. Like that, you know, yes, there was a, a level of jealousy. Like Satan did want to be like the most high God. It talks about that in Isaiah uh, 14. Um, and I said Ezekiel 26 is 28, Ezekiel 28. But um, it, it, it's also the trading. And, and, and the trading is something that is overlooked. But there are, there are definitely a lot. First of all, you have to realize if there was trade that was happening in Ezekiel 28, who was Lucifer trading with? Mm-hmm, there, yeah. there was a whole lot of people that he was trading with. I mean, beings that were already in existence, creation that was already in existence. Um, a lot of it, I believe, was on a higher dimensional plane. In other words, higher frequencies. It wouldn't necessarily be physical, like what we are navigating right now. It, but but it, nonetheless, the spirit beings operate on that level anyway. Our human spirits operate on the higher dimensions by design. We're trans-dimensional beings. You, you can easily have an operation on the ninth dimensional plane in your human spirit. Your soul wouldn't understand it, nor would your body unless you went through heavy-duty training, uh, which some of the projects are now doing with some of the younger people. They're training them to think in their soul on the fifth and sixth and seventh dimensions, which is awful. But the, uh, the spirit is is the part of our design that is absolutely transdimensional and is supposed to operate and and okay so that's another conversation but this whole realm in in this pre-adamic environment ezekiel 28 satan is doing as lucifer he's doing a lot of trading a lot of trading and that's in preparation of what causes god to cast him out of heaven so there was a lot of activity in preparation for the rebellion then there's the rebellion and then there's everything that's now held on the other side of the rebellion. So he places through his trading himself at the center of just about everything. And so, yeah, he's an extremely important figure, though not the only important figure. And in fact, there are entities that are extremely powerful. Like, you know, you say, well, is Satan the most powerful entity? I wouldn't say necessarily. I, I wouldn't even think that all the entities out there, like when you get out into the cosmos, would agree that Satan is the most powerful, like, blow for blow but he has something he has something that places him at the center of so much of this conflict so that's i think as much as i i can expound on it okay so some of these starseed races for example right these you know humanoid or maybe not humanoid different races 
what would their, as far as you've run into or experienced, what is their origin? Are they of God or are they somehow a synthetic or artificial source of creation? Because I've, this has been a question that I've really dug into. To me, I feel like you can summarize everything that we're experiencing ultimately as a battle of organic versus artificial creation. And I often wonder if there's some interference where many of these races are not in fact organic creation. And I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. <laughs> right. Okay, so I think it's a, a hodgepodge and a mixed mash of, of all kinds of stuff. I mean, like, you know, let's say you take a, a, a fourth, fifth, sixth generation super soldier out of the dark projects whose parents parents never saw anything but an underground base and they've been genetically augmented in labs for three generations. Like, is that a fully human person? You know, it's like, well, no, no. They've been augmenting these people with all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's like, um, but but they have origins. And, and so, uh, but they might be more like a cyborg by the time you encounter them. I, I, the operating consciousness at the surface may be an artificial intelligence, but it has human genetics sitting in the bicep. I, it's like, you know, there, there's th- these projects are really happening to us, to the human race. So when you consider these groups out there, I think that there are some that have origins as direct creations of Yahovah God. Then there's the hybridizations that's happened not only in, in human history, as in with the Nephilim and the fallen angels coming in and all that, but hybridizations that's been made on other groups and other races throughout the cosmos. And some of them have been hybridized with humans and that were taken off planet. Some of them have been hybridized with all kinds of other entities and groups and, and animals. And I, I mean, I, so I think that when you have people that have really had some of these exposures to secret space program especially from childhood they're really going to identify with like star wars star trek like you see all kinds they're going to recall meeting all kinds of beings all kinds of features all kinds of uh psychic capacities abilities for strength intelligence levels some look like octopus some look like dolphins i mean there's we ran into a whole group called the lion people that actually is extremely significant some other time i'll tell you about those guys Mm -hmm. but like um you know, it, it, it's like a big mix mash. And so whatever you see playing out in the human domain, like, well, yeah, expand that infinitely and over millennia unknown. And that's what you have in the cosmos. It's it, so, so you have groups and then you have the artificial intelligence synthetic component of it because artificial intelligence is ancient. It didn't start when we invented computers here on earth, like mm-hmm. artificial intelligence is very old. In fact, I'm convinced it's an ancient enemy of God. In the breakaway, uh, there there are artificial intelligence civilizations, and 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 God actually has His own artificial intelligence that we've had encounters with as well. So there's you know competing interests, and then there is like the races that have been completely usurped by the artificial intelligence that they created and took over them. Like you know because you can only have artificial intelligence automate so much of your world as a group before it just takes over everything, including you. And some of these entity groups seem to have basically been completely overrun by their artificial intelligence. They operate like a hive mind. And there are even reports of these kinds of things. And so, I, I mean, I think it's a big mix mash. And what's, what I think it's varied origins. I, I think it is varying origins. So when we're talking about pre-Adamic people and bloodlines 
this essentially, we know that at the time of the fall, human beings became time bound, essentially, is at least my understanding of this. So hypothetically, pre-Adamic people would not have been time bound. So we're hypothetically talking about, I mean, if we think that we're experiencing a long time, we're hypothetically talking about a lot of prehistory, if you can even call it that. Would you agree? Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> this is a whole other layer. Okay. Um, so what is, what, what, what does it mean to be human? Um, what, what is human consciousness? What, what does that mean? What, I mean, these are the fundamental questions people are asking all over the place. And, and in my work, what we've mapped is something that I didn't expect because I had to add more pieces to the puzzle. So we are a heavenly being having an earthly experience. First of all, we are created by God. We are, we are all direct creations of God. And I, I believe that we begin as a substance called life, which can also be called essence. And so the Bible says in him was life and that life was the light of men. John chapter one. I believe that life is origin. That's our first revealing as individual created in God, but differentiated from God, given existence. And then from life or essence, you derive spirit. And the spirit is light. It is fire. It is breath. It is wind. It is smoke. It is love. It has all of these ingredients and the spirit is eternal. It, it does have a beginning because we have a beginning in creation, but it has no ending. It's eternal. And that spirit that comes from essence has a long experience in the heavens before receiving an assignment in the earth. And that assignment comes by way of, and most people's experience when we get these memories, there's a point where they are called before the throne of God and they are presented with their assignment, which may either be what one assignment, it's like it's time and you're going in, or it may be a collection of options. You can have this life, this life, or this life. This one entails great reward and great suffering, less reward, less suffering. You know, take your pick, um, especially for those that were born into the bloodline families, the satanic ritual abuse families, the Illuminati families. Most of them have a choice. Um, and, and they're sent in with the mission. And the mission is to be a redemptive agent to the bloodline, like in our generation. That's part of what's happening. I call it the army of volunteers. I have a, a teaching, a podcast people can look up called the army of volunteers. It'll make you weep. I guess. <laughs> warning. But, um, when, when that, when that happens, the spirit then kind of goes into a preparation room. Amnesia comes on the human spirit. It begins to forget everything it knew. And, 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 and this kind of blends into the whole starseed conversation because there, there is a part of us that is our spirit that does have a cosmic experience in Christ that far exceeds the parameters of the lifespan we have in the earth that is deeply known in the heart realm, subconsciously, unconsciously, we all know we're more ancient than this world. And so with the starseed deception that comes by way of the in imputed genetics from these other groups, there can be like, a, it's, it's almost like it rides the wave. It's like that other revelation rides a deeper knowing. So it can be hard to suss out. If 
you're not talking to someone like me and we spent years working on all the details. So like that spirit though, that comes from God, as it comes in, it, it goes through an amnesia. It forgets its relationship to God. It forgets what it used to do. Also, it has to surrender a lot of the resources or whatever it has in the spirit. It'll be able to take some things in with it, which depending on how compromised the person's genetics are on this side of the veil could be hijacked on the way in. You actually have some spirits there in the wormhole coming from heaven to the conception event. They can get hit by demonic assaults um, to take their weapons, take their armor, take their stuff, even before they arrive at a conception event. So we've we've worked through all of that with people. This is, I mean, um, and then at the conception event, it's like there's a convergence of substance from above and substance from below that, that that comes together as soul in a spark of life that happens in the womb when also the sperm and the egg meet and then the physical body begins to develop and everything has a draw on that original life or essence that began with God, body, soul, and spirit. So there's a signature that runs through our whole humanity that um, can only fully resonate in connection with our source, which is God. And so uh, uh, um, from that point, you have the development of this triune being, spirit, soul, and body. And, and, and you have an amnesic spirit with an infantile soul that has no real background as what it is now. And then the body that also has a new existence. And uh, upon birth, it's the soul that ends up with the primary role as presenting consciousness. So when you ask the question, what is consciousness? Then you begin to get into this conversation. Well, consciousness is I am. Consciousness is I exist. Consciousness is I feel. Um, That's what consciousness is. Well, as a triune being, the interesting thing is that consciousness seems to have multiple levels because the spirit can have a consciousness of self that is actually independent of the soul and the body. And so when we minister to people, I actually engage the body, the soul, and the spirit all in ministry. We minister to all three layers. And the interface unit for the three components of humanity is the heart, which I call the subconscious of the seat of human intuition. It's what the Bible has a lot to say about the heart. I say Mm -hmm. it is the biggest battleground of the cosmos is everyone's fighting for the heart of man. That's where the programming sits. The belief systems sit, everything that affects every aspect of what we are and who we are. And so, so yeah, I mean, this is all in response to your question, right? So the thing is at the end of this conversation, the spirit being very ancient can in this life begin to recover a, 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 remembrance of not only the original assignment, but who they were in Christ before taking the assignment, uh, what they're capable of, and um, the the extraordinary nature of, of who we actually are in the eyes of God. And when the identity begins to draw through that and the soul begins to embrace that. That is the true path of ascension where it's like, no, we are able to fully embrace our identity as sons and daughters of God, you know, beings that are here sent by God to have an earthly experience, to serve God, to be agents of redemption, 
towards other humans, towards the creation, and, and, and to exercise the full privileges that we have as a citizen of heaven while in this realm. And so I think that that, that piece of the conversation is one of the most liberating, empowering components that we've landed on. And this is, this is changing people's lives busy. Like you wouldn't believe, I I mean, I know my life, I, I couldn't, I couldn't do what I do if I wasn't aligned on, on this part. If my spirit was not involved in this ministry, there's no way I could be doing what I'm doing to help people. And, um, so anyway, there you go. So obviously we've been going for two hours and I'm sure we could go for eight to 10 and I want to be mindful of your time and, of course, our audience's listening span. I find that whenever different producers and different shows look at our listening hours, they're always pretty blown away at how most episodes are listened to more than 70%. I have no doubt your podcast is the same way, where our audience just has a pretty long attention span. Because once you're in it, right, time kind of stops existing for a while and you're kind of going pulling people through an information or data portal and then they come out the other side not really knowing what happened. So certainly we could go for hours, but I am currently with a group right now. I uh, teach for a Christian therapeutic boarding school for teen girls that have all kinds of behavioral issues, struggling with suicide, um, run-ins with the law, you name it. And I've actually been blessed to be able to teach a lot of the stuff that we're talking about. I have open reign to teach these girls. So they've been, they're actually all right next door, uh, sitting in the audience. I've got them for a three-day intensive. And just yesterday they were learning exactly what we were just talking about, how to really understand the multidimensional experience of the Bible. And we broke down a whole experience of of basically how someone that presents with schizophrenia can be experiencing a whole lot in the spirit. And it's not as simple as, oh, let's just throw some medication on that. So I'm so grateful that I am linked up with a school that allows the truth to be spoken over these girls. And it's just such a unique opportunity. And I will say, when I found you, all I could think was, you know, I'm, I know I'm bringing a lot to these girls, but these girls need what you guys do they're they need to be set free they're working so hard and we've seen a lot of transition and change but you can see what's operating in the audience there are certain people that you can actually just see it manifesting as you're teaching and talking which i'm sure you've seen right in front of you i've uh one of my first experiences with this was at a completely different event that i was teaching and somebody actually while i was teaching they started moving their neck kind of funny and i was like "Mm -hmm." weird i'm just gonna not look over there and then they started to make their way toward me at the front so you know people are sitting in their chairs acting you know ladylike and this person just gets up and starts moving their neck weird they got down on all fours right in front of me and started hissing and clearly something overtook their body and this was one of my first experiences of like oh wow a demon can actually take over someone's body and make this happen. And all of a sudden there was like a change in the smell. And I remember just looking at someone in the audience like, is this really happening right now? That was one of my first mind blowing. I like I had had all, so much experience in my vision without it manifesting physically. But I think sometimes people have to see something manifest physically to be like, no, no, I can't. I can't push this off as maybe it's my imagination anymore because we all just saw that. So I guess using that as the jumping off point 
what for people that don't have access to these sorts of physical experiences right because you can't plan them it's up to god what god allows us to see or experience what are some simple steps that people can take to try to reconcile all the information that you've just spoken even if it's kind of outside of their personal experience what are some simple steps not that anything can be simple but to try to allow this to become a part of their operating information like how do people let this in without having that physical experience or without having something that gives them evidence i don't know try to um (laughs) find the most broken person you know and try to help them (laughs) i mean really try to help them and see what it takes that's one of the fastest tracks to having your worldview implode it is really, really getting, you know, uh, putting on the gloves and saying, I'm, I'm going to help very, very broken people. And I'm going to commit to doing whatever it takes to seeing them through to the other side. That's where most people have a come to Jesus moment. And suddenly the conversation that I'm having begins to make a lot more sense. I, I have therapists and counselors and, and, and even pastors and leaders all over the world now that are connecting to ourselves because they realize we're trying to help people. And this is what we're beginning to run into. We can't explain it. And even if this isn't our experience, it's theirs. Even if it's not our experience, it's theirs. Now, one of the ways to ensure that you never have to uh, uh, process this is to stay in a cocoon or bubble wrap type uh, life experience, um, uh, only focusing on self and not caring about the pain of others that, 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 that'll get you exactly what you expect, which is you'll just be convinced by your own suppositions on what reality is. And so what's real to you is the end of what's real in, in your experience. Now, um, I, I, look, we have a lot of resources at Bride Ministries. I mean, we have done a lot over the years and there's a lot of things that I'm going to say in passing or at a question that like you would ask that is, is just going to go right over the head. Like, whoa, what the heck did he just say? And where is he getting that from? So we built a whole Institute at, at bride ministries. And it's like, you know, the Institute itself is over 80 hours of teaching and, and it goes step by step. Like I walk people into how to go from just understanding the grace of God and into the dimensions of creation. Like we walk it through step by step because there's a lot of foundation. And if you miss the foundation, you miss a lot. And um, even in listening to the language choice I have on certain things, the question can be, why did you language it like that? There's a reason. Like a lot of the things that I say is is actually very intentionally languaged um, because words mean something. And so we, we do have that. We also have something else. And I, I it's our deliverance portal. It's at deliverance.bridemovement.com. And um, at, the, at that link, you can take assessments and it will walk the person through prayer resources that we have to get people set free from everything from, you know, sin cycles to uh, fallen angelic problems, um, synthetic genetics, artificial intelligences, bondage to constellations, um, timeline correction needs. I, it's like all this, like we have, and, and so you take assessments and it walks you through lo- like some of my logic. Like if I was in session, I would ask a question. If the answer, question is answered a certain way, 
I'm going to map that to a certain prayer and it's going to tell you that. It's going to say, look, because of the way you answered this question, use this prayer for this. You'll just get an email and then you can go back into the website and work your way through those prayers. And uh, you, most people are very surprised at what happens as they begin to engage with deliverance materials, just how much personal freedom they get. And in the process, it, it can be shocking, like what I'm actually being delivered from. And that in and of itself can begin to open up the conversation. Well, I can't explain this, but when I did this prayer and I used it for this thing, I definitely got set for, I, I still don't even know how this makes sense from my perspective. And, and that's a way. And um, I also want to let people know, like, I, I, I mean, we're, we're here to help. We're here because God has sent us to set captives free in the name of Jesus. And if I've been describing stuff during this podcast and you're like, wow, I'm triggering all over the place. I'm a hot mess. You, you, every, like I, you said stuff and I don't even know why I'm freaking out. We have people that I've trained to help you. And um, you can find them at coach.bridemovement.com or just go to bridemovement.com and follow the ministry tab. But um, you can book sessions and, and they'll help you. And if you can't afford sessions, the church offers scholarships. So we'll, 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 we'll underwrite your sessions. You'll get 16 hours of free work um, just for applying to our scholarship because we want to help. And that's what we're here for. Great. I'm definitely going to connect the head of the school with this because I think if the girls are open to it, I think this is exactly what they need because I feel like there's a certain point at which you can only get so far without this piece. And I just wish more Christians were open to that, right? Like you can, you know, God can do anything, but one of the things that God has done so that he can do everything is give information like what you're bringing to the world. And I think so many Christians just put blinders on and push it away. Like it's somehow not from God. Like that's not how God would give you healing. It has to come through some sort of magical poof in the sky and then magically you're healed, right? It can't come through Dan Duval and Bride Ministries, which, you know, I'm here to tell you, I'm pretty sure that's what God has in store. So make sure you go check it out. It was an absolute gift to have you on the show. I would love to have you on again. I have so many more questions from dinosaurs to uh, Draco reptilians and everything in between. Um, But I will save that for future episodes. Please, guys, make sure you go check out everything Dan has to offer. Thank you so much for coming on the show, and we will see you next time. Thanks for checking out this week's episode of The Modern Good. To find out more about Break Method, head to breakmethod.com, and to check out my workshops and public speaking schedule, busygold.com. I'll see you next week. Thank you.